Woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip. On a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know you guys aren't privy to all the new. So, uh, you know that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in As a future, there we go. As a future's down sixty-eight. Um, looks like we're down again today. Uh, not so sure if that's what we want to see have happen, but uh, um, it is. The uh, we got uh, we have Mr. Brendan. Hey, Steve. How are you this morning? All right, hanging in there for an old dude. You know what they say? Uh, what's uh, what's going on in your world? You're um, back from Africa. You're you're in one piece. You're in good shape. What the hell? You, you didn't do the marathon, I, but did you I coach? I avoided all the lions in the Cape Buffalo and uh, saw a lot of good sights there. Uh, survived the marathon weekend. I didn't run the marathon, but I was out there coaching runners, and it was a very good day for that. Um, did you guys have, uh, I imagine you had some uh, individual people with uh, pretty good times. I did. And, you know, there was an American record set by Emily Sisson, the, the fastest American marathon ever. And I am telling all of my runners that they take credit for that because they pushed her along the way, even if they finished three hours behind her. Uh, she knew that they were there, and uh, that pushed her to victory. Um, well, there you go. So, but is that is that considered like perfect weather or what? Pretty much perfect weather. Yeah, especially for those who were running three hours or slightly above three hours when the weather started it was uh, mid forties, and for those who finished in about three hours, it was still in the low 50s. You know, it got up a little bit warmer later on towards the end for those who were out there for six hours, but uh, it was almost perfect weather. You couldn't have asked, if you were to write a script for it, that would be about the type of weather you wanted. Hardly cloudy, uh, but the temperatures were fantastic. Well, uh, so, I mean, what, what, you, could set a, you could have set a PR if you had run the marathon on Sunday. If, if I ever ran one, it would be a PR. That's right. Um, First I ever went was ten, and I was in pretty good shape at the time. And I'm like, you know, this this is kind of far enough. I thought ten was okay. I was running four or five. Um, I'm going to say three days a week or so to keep in shape for handball and basketball. And I was I was in the where was I? I was in the seven thirty range. And um, and I, I when I did the ten mile, I was seven forty. So I was I only had one speed. Is that unusual? Uh, really it is because most people have two speeds, slow and stop. But you were you were moving pretty well. But I mean, if I went slower, that that kind of sucked. And if I went faster, I, I had like one speed. Yeah, no, that's quite common. People get into a routine and a regimen about how fast they run, 
Although what is interesting is that for most people, when they've been running for a while, they've been running for a couple of months, they tend to get a little bit faster just uh, just naturally. So you know, there comes a point that you can't get much faster, but people do tend to pick up their pace after uh, after the first few months of training. Well, I do know, and I, I imagine that you you coach this is when I when I would run, I've, somebody I don't know who the hell told me before Brendan that you always want to time yourself if you're on the same route. And I and I noticed that because the days that you when you when you get to the end you're like tired that's the day you're ten seconds faster than you ever were. Mm-hmm. You, you think you had a bad day and actually had a good day because <laughs> you actually went a little faster, which is well, kind of weird. That, that's that's partly true, but I have my runners run at different paces at different times because different workouts are meant for different things. Like a speed workout is meant to improve your speed. But you also want recovery time. So if you're running five days a week, you don't want to run hard every one of those days, even if you're running about the same distance. You want to mix it up so your legs can recover and just uh, build endurance as much as speed. Well, I've, I've been doing some monkeying around here with the uh, sort of shifting. But see, that's the thing. I, you couldn't tell me to go out and run, you know, run uh, nines one day because I'd just be like, "What am I doing running nines? It's not my pace." It just was weird. Just something I've done. Yep. It, it takes some discipline, but uh, if you keep running the same pace all the time for a long time, now it, it's different if you're just doing it for exercise. I mean, you're talking about just yeah. going out a couple of days a week for fitness level, and then that, that's when you kind of lock into a, a, a pace, which which is perfectly fine. But if you're trying to train for something like a half marathon or a marathon, you want to uh, mix up the paces that you're running so your body responds differently for different workouts. Otherwise, you're you're overworking the same muscles too much, and that leads to a higher risk of injury. Okay. Hey, I have a a uh, question for you. I, I was screwing around with my, well, I, let my I let myself into this brand. I was screwing around with these bond. I, I found a bond calculator yesterday, so this is my new my new toy. Although I'm sure I could have you know found one years ago, but uh, the uh, the interesting we were talking a li- we hit on just a little bit last week before I dug into this and the uh, um, the difference in what you know what the portfolio over in Europe must look like of the bonds the central bank bought right and uh, and it, it just it really uh, uh, you know because they were buying stuff at negative interest rates so I find this bond calculator well of course I can't uh, I can't get the thing to go negative. It won't go negative, so I can't value. Why is that? <laughs> I, I don't know, but it must be some old time calculator. Why would anybody buy a bond at negative interest rate? Um, I, I guess. Uh, but I, I did some uh, some looking here, and if you actually look at a a bond, say a thousand dollar face bond, all right, and the coupon rate's two percent. So I don't know what those coupon rates were over in Europe when they were buying these things at a negative. But if you, I can't get it to go negative. If you put the market interest rate at, at .001, which is a tenth of a percent. The bond's almost fourteen hundred bucks, right? Because clearly, the you, you know you're willing to pay a lot more for that two percent. Well, if you if you change that rate to four, um, you know, which it may be going now over in here, we'll say even even three, the uh, all of a sudden you've you've got the thing drops to eight fifty. So you, you lose. Almost forty percent of your bond value. Now, of course, you know you alleg- allegedly you're going to get paid, you know, twenty years from now. 
But still, mm-hmm. your band looks, looks pretty crappy in, in your it brokerage. Sure does. That's, that's a huge shift. Yeah. Now, can you imagine, though, if, if these guys actually paid negative, where they, where they bought it to a negative number? When, when it's like 1400 bucks. We're talking about a, a $1,000 bond at 2% for 20 years. If you drive the interest rate, let's say, to zero, and you bought it at zero, you're paying 1400 bucks for a $1,000 bond, mm-hmm. which is what clearly the, the banks over there were paying. And now their, their, their little portfolio, I hope they didn't go out 20 years because they, that, that stuff's got to be coming... I mean, what, what do they, I'm sure they don't mark themselves the market because, of course, they're a bank. But, uh, but still, I mean, it's uh, it's it's really something. And yep. uh, you know, I I don't know how you even you know how you even go about it. But uh, the uh, so get a load of this. I'm gonna I'm gonna subject you for the next uh, several. I'm gonna prepare more for them because yesterday I was get a load of this, Brent. I'm doing a little cleaning in my place, right? So I find all these articles. The that uh, of course I I saved because because there's a reason. <laughs> I saved them, but I go right now I know why I saved this article. So every week we'll kind of go through one of these lost uh, lost articles here, and it's and it's pretty amazing. And the amount of it's it's the same it's, it's the same story that we that we have every day. I, by the way, I found here's one: a Notre Dame football ticket went from five dollars in 1955 to where it's it's ninety dollars. Ten years ago, now it's what like a hundred and something. That's mm-hmm. kind of a lot. Uh, and here's, I'll just do a couple of quick graphs here because the other articles you need more, more stuff going on here. But it's an article here from 2000 to 2010. The average earnings of a full-time worker, age 25 to 34, with a bachelor's degree only, is on a scale of 100. Mm-hmm. Uh, since 2000, the graduates. Uh, this is this is by by inflation, right? Uh, yeah. The the actual salary dropped from a hundred to like eighty nine from two thousand mm-hmm. to two thousand and ten. Meanwhile, the tuition went from a hundred to one hundred and seventy two. It's no, wow, it's a, that it's a, is incredible. Yeah, I mean some of these. Yeah, I mean it makes sense based on you know what we've observed, what you've mentioned a lot. That when you see the numbers like that and hard evidence, that I mean that's just. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, and uh, actually, there's one article here that said in the because this, this goes back to the uh, resolution trust, not, not necessarily resolution trust, but the stuff, um, the taxes, and, and and the interest. Interesting part is that when you when you get into these, uh, uh, well, I'll say economic arguments, right? Um, or, or no, I guess they're all political arguments now, right? Unfortunately. I mean, people don't seem to have any sort of sense of history in any of this stuff, and you know, in, in the sense that these are long-term phenomena. I mean, they're absolutely mm-hmm. long-term phenomena. And we're uh, well. Here's here's a quick one. Like I said, I'm gonna go through that. We'll have one every week, and maybe I'll I'll scan it and send it to you. But here's the the growth in family income from 1947 to 19, 1979. That's a 32-year period, basically. And if you were in the, the bottom 20%, your income grew 116%. The second 20% grew 100, middle 100, and, uh, which is 20%, this is five increments. 111, fourth 114, and the top was 99. So actually the top was slightly less than everybody else. And now for, from 1980 to 2007, it says we grew apart. The bottom, bottom group's only up 15% their income in, in what is that, 27 years. 
second 22, third 23, fourth 33, and, and then the, uh, the, uh, the top 20%, 95%, top 1%, 261%. Wow. An amazing difference. And this is, again, this isn't even now. This is, so when you see it now and everybody goes, oh, man, <clears throat> you know, look at how bad this is. Blame Biden or blame Trump. As, as bad as you may think either one of those creatures are, they didn't start this. And, boy, right. you, you try and have this discussion with people, they're absolutely convinced that everything bad happened the last two years if you're a Trumper or if you're, if you're you know, not a Trumper, everything happened bad when he was there. The fact is these guys are being fed a load of crap. <laughs> this this is this has been a long period of time, and uh, and it and it's uh, when you when you look at these articles from ten years ago, it, they're startling, Brendan. They're absolutely startling. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, you know, talking about tax hikes in the city, in what, what, you know, when uh, what's in his first term of uh, the ram the ram father, and how the how the fees are just amazingly. Uh, but here's a good one I've, that I've referenced a couple of times. Um, I'll just do one uh, paragraph. This is what the you wonder how you how you get the creatures you get. This is the American public. Uh, this is December tenth. I don't even know the year. It's got to be two thousand and ten. Americans want Congress to bring down a federal budget deficit that many believe is dangerously out of control, only under two conditions: minimize the pain and make the rich pay. The public wants yeah. Congress to keep its hands off entitlements such as Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. A Bloomberg National poll shows. They oppose cuts in most other major domestic programs in defense. They want to maintain subsidies for farmers and tax breaks like the mortgage interest deduction. They're against an increase in the gasoline tax. So, so, so how do you how do you cut the budget if you if you leave all that stuff even? You can't. And, yeah. and, that, and you know, you you raise a couple of good points. I mean, first, this is historic. I mean, all the all the suffering we're going through right now has not been over the last two years or the last six years. It has been a long time in coming. And even if you look at, at the proposals, like the, if the Republicans are saying that they're you know, for business interests and you know, their platforms, they have a lot of things in there that are, are very structured for, for their benefit. Um, and, you know, they're not the, the economic uh, savants that they claim to be. Or when they have their tax proposals, their tax proposals favor the very rich. And that. I think goes to the increase that you just mentioned as far as the, the top few percent of the, of the public. And the Democrats, you know, are spenders, but, you know, they're not the only ones spending. Oh, God, no, no. Well, cutting, cutting your tax base to your friends is the same thing as spending. Yeah. They're just different. Yeah. But I think... So when, the, you look at, when you look at the, the tax cuts that were imposed under uh, the Republican administration and Trump, it favored a very small part of the population, and the consequence was they did not cut spending accordingly, so it had a, a, a ripple effect beyond what the number what the numbers would initially show. Um, so, in, in effect, uh, that worsened it because you're lowering the tax base while you're not cutting any spending. Well, there was, there was some child care credit stuff. There was, in the Trump tax cuts, there was some benefit to the people down the chain in terms of uh, uh, income credit for kids, and there was a couple other things in there. There was there was a couple of bones throw, thrown at the rest of the world, right? I mean, it mm-hmm. wasn't maybe it wasn't huge, but it, they were, it wasn't like it was. It was totally devoid of down the chain. But I think uh, you know a few things. I don't know how you get these people. I've gotten this new theory, <laughs> Brandon, lately that 
politicians act like uh, CEOs did when you were judged every 90 days by your quarterly earning. Mm-hmm. They'll do whatever they can do. They don't care what they push ahead to get elected again. And after that, then they just pick up the pieces or don't. And then in the next term. And I think one of the, uh, the you know, I, don't know, I guess one of the, there's all kinds of stuff, crap you can talk about with these people, but I think one of the things is this, this whole idea of, uh, you know, these these programs are, are investments. And they're not investments. I mean, if, I mean if, if you and I decide in 1928 or, or 1910 when they started thinking about it, to build Hoover Dam or to build Tennessee Valley Authority or the Golden Gate Bridge or something, you and I are going to say, all right, well, this thing's going re- to return money to people, either by tolls or by electricity or whatever, just by economy. Not so much by economy, but say by tolls and electricity. We can actually go out and borrow money from people. This is the old-fashioned way. You borrow money from people, you have a good business idea, you put the thing together, and oh, by the way, the uh, the revenue from the project repays the bonds and repay and does the interest. I mean that's that's the way you're supposed to do business in, in one man's opinion or the principle anyway. Uh, now you get these these creatures in Congress and in these budget offices that say, oh no, we're going to cut taxes. And based on what Ronald Reagan did, which is such a bunch of BS, I can't even go there. <clears throat> based on what Ronald Reagan did, it's been proven that a a cut in taxes for the rich benefits everybody and increases taxes going forward. That, is, that has not been proven anywhere, anytime, Brennan. And, uh, so they say, okay, in 10 years we'll all be even. So in the meantime, let's just, let's just pony up a bunch of money from the Fed and throw it in the system. That's the new, that's the new mantra. Th- that absolutely has to stop. And Didn't I don't know. Uh, George H.W. Bush have something called uh, voodoo economics about that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I don't, I don't know how you impose any kind of a... Uh, a rule on these people because they're unf- they're totally unfettered, and, mm-hmm. and and it's interesting if you talk to especially if you talk to somebody from the right because I'm be- I'm beset with those people it seems like uh, they don't they don't know what the hell they're talking about and a lot of the stuff though well you know th- this they did this or we did that or look at look at how much this benefited this guy it's all it's all cutting up the pie for your people, Brandon yeah. it's not it has nothing to do with anything uh, you know. We you know we're going to cut taxes and we're going to see where it all it all falls out. And in our, in our opinion, our story to you is that in the end we're going to end up ahead of the game. But there's not going to be any any count of that along the way or anything like that. We're not going to say at the end of six months or a year if we're not working it we're going to go back. There's nothing like that. I mean, it's just well. It also assumes that everything is a zero sum game. That if if a dollar goes to me, then it goes away from you, or vice versa. And you know that it's an absolute number. And you know it was an interesting uh, analogy that you brought up about the Hoover GM or the Tennessee Valley Authority, because you know under one theory of government, government steps in it, not necessarily to get a return on the investment. When you think about the, the purposes of some of the programs from the Depression, it was as much to put people to work from a psychology, psychological perspective as it was for what you're going to get out of it. And you can't always justify the cost just on the return. Um, I, I, I use the same kind of an argument of what happened during COVID when the money went out to keep people afloat. And yes, it flooded the, it flooded the economy with a lot of money, but it also allowed people to still put food on their table for a while. You can't really justify saying that in six months or a year we're going to get that money back or else it's a failure. Um, so and it's a complicated analysis, and it also depends on what your version of government is. And, you know, I think it's interesting 
for example, that um, a guy like Ron DeSantis is one example who is now after federal money to to clean up around <clears throat> the hurricane that just happened. And yet, when he was in Congress, he voted against federal money going to Katrina and other places where uh, where natural disasters have happened because it's not my issue in Florida, so to heck with them. And now well, he, it's he wants to the opposite. And, um, you know, I, I think that goes on both sides. I mean, you see that a lot on the Democrat side too. That that what they're they're trying to oppose is different, but it's it's very short sighted. And you talked before about the the ninety day turnaround that a lot of CEOs a number of years ago were looking for. What's the next quarterly report, regardless of what that means in a year, five years, ten years from now? You know, we used to refer to it as the Japanese review versus the American review, that the Americans were looking at the bottom line over the next quarter, where the Japanese would also often look for their investments in five or ten years down the road. Well, I I, I would say, though, to, even though you are, well, your history is always good, so I don't want to debate you on that, a lot of the stuff with Hoover Dam and those things were, uh, I, I don't know that it, I actually don't think it was just for jobs, Brendan, because they were already no, it wasn't. There was a water supply issue out there, um, and Hoover Dam was a bad example for that. But I mean, a lot of like the the CCC, the Conservation Conservative. Oh yeah, or, oh yeah. Uh, and, and there were a lot of things that put Americans to work who were otherwise unemployed. I agree. But if you're just looking at the investment of Hoover Dam, even at the time, it was never going to be fully self sufficient based on the, the rates of electrical power that, that was paid for by the public. But yet the benefit to bring electricity to the West and power to the West was uh, much more beneficial than what people could pay for even over the course of 20 or 30 years. Well, plus it also essentially opened the Imperial Valley to agriculture, right. which you never could mm-hmm. do before because it would flood all the time. Right. So, so there are advantages that you can't treat you can't treat government spending always, you cannot always treat it like uh, a business model where you have to make profits or you close your doors. Well, uh, but the, you know, I, Sometimes the, the, for the common good, you've got to do things that may not make economic sense within reason. But the, the uh, I'm going to say the supervision over the construction of something of that magnitude and the Golden Gate Bridge and the Bay Bridge, and I'm sure was it the Holland Tunnel at the same time or the Lincoln Tunnel, one of them. They they all came in. They were bid out. They came in under budget and under time. Yep. So it's not it's not like the burn interchange, where it's just a cash cow for a decade for people. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, at, the, at the pace they feel like going. I mean, look at the look at look at the difference in the workers and Hoover Dam than on the burn interchange. I mean, we're talking about that 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 area was supposedly one of the one of the biggest you know snake pits for traffic in the entire country. So you're going to go because it went from what five lanes to four through lanes. Right now they're going to end up with five, back to five. Well, in the in the ten years it's taken, they've been two or three. Do you think you're going to yeah. get back ever going to get back the damage that you caused in the ten years of construction? I agree with you completely. I, you know, that, that's that's a, a an example, a horrific example of government inefficiency and uh, and lack of foresight, and even even some of the mistakes they made when they almost took down that building because of the way they they excavated and they came yeah. too close to some of the buildings and had to shore it up. But I mean, just the the, um, the engineering nightmare of what they've done over the last few years and extended it 
But you know, it's not even something as, as complicated as the interstate exchange. Look at the flyway by Navy Pier. I mean, that that's yeah. a path that's 10 feet wide and goes from Ohio Street to uh, the other side of the river near near Randolph Street. So it's it's less than a mile. And that took years to build. What's um, that? And well, know, it, it still could use some improvement. But, um, you know, how, how can you waste money like that? I, I, I just don't understand that. Well, Brennan, I'm going to, one last question I'd let you go over, bud, is, uh, this, we'll go back to this chart of the growth of family income. I'm going to say if we had my buddy, uh, Dr. Blade, the psychologist on here, and if he looked at everybody growing together for 30-some years and everybody growing apart for almost 30 years, I'm going to say psychology or sociologically, you're going to say you have much more political strife in the second piece of this chart than the first piece. Because now you're, the only time anybody gains anything is because if somebody else loses. And I, I th- agree. And I mean, the, the difference in the, in the politics and the road rage and everything, to me, is on this page. Or am I just being way I, too I economic? I agree with that completely. And when you look at the disparity in income, um, that triggers a lot of psychological response that, you know, the haves versus the have-nots. And, you know, it's interesting. I used to work with a guy, and he said, you know, the difference between a rich person and a poor person is a rich person always has more money than I do. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, there's some truth in that. But when you see the disparity, uh, and you pointed it out with the numbers of the, the growth in income, 200-and-something percent versus 15 percent of growth for families, I mean, that's that breeds a lot of hostility and a lot of feeling of injustice for for the, for the common worker. Well, and when you see, uh, you know, your Commonwealth that is in the world managing to get a ten percent spike in, in the rates when 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 five percent or twenty percent of your population got a ten percent raise, that's a problem. I mean, if mm-hmm. everybody if everybody was going up ten percent, nobody care. Or I mean, some people well, always right. care, but. That's exactly right, and that's a problem that a lot of people are facing right now at city council. When you're looking at a, a 15, 20 percent raise for aldermen or for the uh, the treasurer, or the city clerk, compared to what people in the city of Chicago are working for uh, on their daily wages, and you know, sure, there's been a bump in inflation recently, but you know, for years inflation has been pretty low, and now all of a sudden they're getting a tremendous boost in their income. And that creates a lot of contempt. That creates a lot of uh, of an well, well, I'm going to say two things. Losers. One question: Are are those jobs part time or full time? Uh, they're meant to be part time. Some of the and that one of the justifications for aldermen of taking the raise is that <clears throat> that's the only job they have. But if you look at a guy like uh, Ed Burke, who uh, has a, a very lucrative law firm which, by the way, is uh, designed to help people reduce their taxes to the, to the government. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> he has a very lucrative legal practice, and a lot of, a lot of aldermen have side businesses. Tom Tunney owns Ann Sather. Yep. But some of the other uh, aldermen, uh, all the people, say that uh, they devote full-time to that, so they deserve gonna, a lot gonna, more money. I'm going to say BS to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, Brennan, we yeah, gotta, we, as usual, we, got, we, we have to get... Well, make sure you don't go to Africa anymore. I missed you for two weeks. Look at all the stuff I have to talk to you about. Anyway, I have a whole pamphlet here of articles from back then. We'll do, we'll do one a week. Let's take them on. All right, buddy. Take care of yourself. SP Futures down 17. NASDAQ Futures down 55. Be right back. Joel and Conant.
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Hello and welcome back to Station Jacks. I'm Tom Howell, Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 18, NASDAQ Futures down 60. So we continue this relentless race to the bottom, it appears, wherever the bottom happens to be. Uh, Dow Futures are down 97, individual stocks. Chevron Texco down 279. We've got Amgen actually up 6 bucks, so the Dow would be much worse if it wasn't for Amgen. Every, every other stock in the Dow is down uh, pre-market here. Again, yesterday uh, NASDAQ closed at a two-year low and we're lower this morning. Uh... 
We're in Europe, we got the DAX down 93.8%, FTSE down 64.9%, CAC around down 25.4%. We're in Asia, we've got the DAX, I'm sorry, Nikkei down 714, uh, 2.6%. Uh, that's not so good. Shanghai up 5, and these guys were down pretty heavy yesterday. Uh, that's um, 0.2%. And we got Hang Seng is uh, down uh, 384, 2.2%. Uh, Taiwan at one point. Uh, well, Taiwan is down 4%. Uh, TSMC, whatever the hell that is, is down 8%. We'll find out what that is. I think it's one of those chip companies. Because everybody downgraded the chip companies yet again today. Uh, Bank of England intervened in bond markets, warns of material risk to UK financial stability. So the news is not fantastic. So I guess the market going down in the VIX, pre-market here is up to 33.46, which is the highest we've seen it through this whole sell-off. Um, anyway, yesterday... Dow was down 93, S&P down 27, NASDAQ down 110. So another down day after three down days last week after the two huge rally days. Uh, U.S. Uh, tenure is 3.92, that's up four basis points. The Bund unchanged 2.31, uh, Japan unchanged 0.25. We've got oil down 231, 88.82, so below 90. Uh, Brent down 213, 94.06. Natural gas up 4 cents, 6.47. Arbob down 3 cents, 2.58. Wider is almost a, there's a $3 spread between our Bob and gas in the city. Uh, there ought to be an investigation, but it's not going to happen by this mayor. Uh, gold, <coughs> gold up a buck, 1686, a little dead cat bounce there. Silver down 20 cents, 1941. Copper down a penny, 341. And we've got the Bitcoin down 131 to 19,091. Hanging there at kind of the worry note, the worry level. Real worry level is probably 18,000. We think there's some margin loans there. Uh, U.S. dollar. Uh, the euro is actually up a little bit, but still 97, where we talked about it yesterday. Uh, British pound 110, up a little bit too, but not very much. Andrew, what do you got for us, Trevi, with our sports? Those are really bad news here on this end. Yeah, yeah well, not uh, too much news for today. Uh, it's 6.37 here in Chicago on Tuesday, October 11th. Now, for sports, uh, we only had really two recent games. Uh, last night in Monday Night Football, the Raiders lost a strong early lead in a game with the Chiefs ending with 30 to 29 and good game. MLB on oh sorry a good game oh yeah yeah and MLB on Sunday the Padres and uh, Padres ended the wild card series with win over the Mets in a six to zero game over for weather in Chicago it is currently clear skies at 45 degree 50 sorry 54 degrees reaching up to 75 with a low of 54 and over in Phoenix, it is partly cloudy at 71 degrees, with a high of 93 and a low of 67. Now for Chicago traffic, it's a pretty boring day today. We have no new accidents to report. Construction projects that have been going on are continuing. Uh, but, as it always does, inbound traffic is building on the inbound roads. So that's all I got. Back Do we to have Chief. Mr. Joel? Good morning, Chief. How are you? So you and Kevin took over the show and... Someday I can go on vacation for a week, and you and Kevin and Maddie Weber can do the show all week. You guys got a, more than enough stuff to, to talk about. Yeah, I apologize uh, to Kevin. I was kind of kind of running off at the mouth a little bit. I think I cut him off. But, uh, Chief, if you need me, you know you can find me. I can help you out. You, you deserve a vacation as much as anybody on Wall Street. Um, actually, a slight technical issue that probably nobody gives a rats behind about is that's the problem when you have two people on the phone you can't hear if kevin starts talking and you start talking you don't you don't know that he's talking that's why it's it's 
it, it's really tough. It, it actually m- makes it difficult, not difficult, but I have to pay attention on my end. You know, not that I know what I'm doing as a, as a host, but I have to be careful when I when I direct something. You direct it to one person or the other because if you both start talking, if you're in the studio, you know you're both talking, but on the phones you don't. Oh man, that's why when when what's his name, uh, A Rod and the what 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 baseball are they in when they had the uh, the the young lady in as well, the softball player. The uh, they had the host and they had A Rod and then the lady was on for a while. She. She got booted, so it's just A-Rod as the color guy. Is that ESPN or is it Fox? Whichever one, whatever, one of the baseballs. I think it's ESPN, yeah. I haven't been watching a lot of baseball. It's been, uh, well, I guess the playoffs have started now. But, uh, no, Chief, what are we, Chief, what are we going to do about these markets? Um, are you in the Jamie Diamond camp? we got 20% to go. You know, I, I, thanks, Jamie Diamond. I mean, come on. Kicking the market when it's down. Uh, you know, twenty percent. I mean, I, I don't know about another twenty percent, but I don't like what I'm seeing on the charts. And uh, you know, we're we're falling into an area that um, back in twenty, back in November of twenty, we had a really big month, and we made a low. And I'm talking the S and P uh, futures right now. You could do the cash or whatever you want, uh, but we had a real big up month. And, um, boy, oh, boy, we always say on our show, you know, when the market goes up quickly through an area, it comes down quickly through an area, and uh, that's what we're looking at. Um, also, uh, basis, the S&P cash, um, you know, you had your COVID low, right, at yeah. uh, 2192. You had your high in uh, January at 4818. Your fifty percent retracement of that move brings you closer to thirty five hundred. I don't I don't see under the current market conditions how we don't go and test that level. Yeah, I don't I don't uh I sorta of, I don't either. I uh I mean I, I don't think a lot of investors and this, you know, it's not me well, first of all, I'm never gonna cluck at anybody who's losing money. Because I don't want anybody losing money, but I uh it, the geniuses in the last, from from whatever uh, we're talking, well, I'm I'm looking at the date before all the COVID kind of started, which is around the end of February in 2020. We were roughly at 337 on the spiders. We went from there to 475, roughly, and now we're at 358. So we've given up uh, pretty much all. We got another what 15 percent to go, 10 uh, percent to go to go to get to where we were when we started. Mm-hmm. Did any, anybody really think that the run-up that whole way was due to their shrewd investing and not just the Fed pouring money in the system? <laughs> Did anybody really think that they would, God, this stock's going to go to the moon? No, it's not. We're in a, we're in a pandemic, and it's 50% higher than it was before. How do you, who do you think did that? Your, your brains, you picked it? I mean, but people have got these, nothing gets people as, as enormous ego than like a bull market, right? Which isn't the same as saying, this particular stock is going to do better than the other stocks based on these conditions. I one thing about all the guys that I, <clears throat> one group I'm with, uh, Joel, is the first year uh, was 2018, 2019. I started doing stuff for these guys, and uh, mm-hmm. when we ended up using <clears throat> a lot of the different uh, ETFs. When I say a lot of them, there's only like five or six that I like to do stuff in that are liquid enough, and one of them is the XLE, even though it's not as liquid as you'd like. 
Well, I, I kind of spread everybody around that first year, and, and unanimously, the XLE was the, was the absolute worst performer in 2019. Everybody mm-hmm. said, everybody said you got to get us out of this XLE. And I'm like, you know, guys, the whole idea is when you're spread around is that you're supposed to have some winners and, you know, you don't, you don't want to lose her, but the idea is the next year it might all come back. I don't know, this thing, this energy is this sucks. We're all going to zero. So we get out of all of our XLE, and the XLE is going from like 28 to 80. <laughs> you know, it's by far been the best performer. But, you know, but it's because, I mean, I think those who got put their stuff in oil in the last couple of years probably showed some smarts because it got down so low. It was so scary. But, Joel, it, it is, you know, it is really hard to predict on this stuff. But I'm not... There's still some stacks hanging around at a 40 PE that are like you know retail places and stuff. I mean, it's not like there's no room to go here. I mean, the uh, you know I hope it doesn't go that much lower. But look, I mean, some of the stuff like this Nvidia. Do you know of any stack other than Apple that has as much um, you know people behind it are, are absolutely into this thing? And you know, yeah. And it's, go ahead. No, just there's more bad news on uh, that today with uh, yeah. KL. KL, uh, AC, uh, um, you know, talking about uh, lowering earnings. I mean, you know, there's nothing like, I mean, going outside of uh, Apple and uh, NVIDIA, and I think what you're alluding to is like the cult-like bottling, and yep. that's with Tesla. I mean, you get yeah. that as well, and I haven't even looked. I mean, that's still trading at a, uh, a really high valuation. I mean, if, if people don't think that... <laughs> There's more room to the downside than they haven't been around the markets very long. We're, we're, we, we have so many things going on right now. Um, you know, besides, you know, the rising interest rates, you have, uh, you know, the macroeconomic situation. Um, you have Russia, China, I mean, uh, UK, you know, they had intervened in the bond market again. I mean, there's no textbook for the environment that we're in right now. And if, you know, markets can go far beyond your expectations, both on the upside and the downside. So I think everyone has to, you know, look at that, look at their portfolios. And, you know, for all these years, you know, the Tina trade, there's no alternative. There's no alternative. There is an alternative now. That, you know, you could get three and a half, four percent now. I mean, it's not, you know, that's great. You're still going to be losing out to inflation. But would you rather, you know, be losing out to inflation at 4% or watching your port- portfolio go down, you know, another 2 3 4% every day? I would say that for the next six months, we're getting, we're not getting 4 we're getting close to 4 at the auctions every week in the Treasury. Um, I'm going to say for the next six months, the real inflation rate will not be 4%. Now, coming through the CPI, because they're so friggin' late, It'll be more than four to four percent, but you and I know it's that that number's never right. It's never timely. Like to see us something about it in seven handle on on Thursday would be a big relief to the market. Well, but I'm saying, um, but the number is is, know, is voodoo. The number's been voodoo for day, since day one. Yeah, it was voodoo in the seventies. <laughs> now it's worse because people <laughs> are cheating. What? Hey. Uh, do me a favor, we if you know who's TSMC? They're saying they're down eight percent in Asia. Is that a, is that a chip company? KLAC? No, TSMC. 
Oh, is that Taiwan Semiconductor? Oh yeah, it must be. Must be. They're down eight percent. Yeah, I got. I got. Uh, yeah, it, I got a trading here in New York uh, under TSM. Okay. And uh, it's down. It's down three point four four percent at sixty five twelve. Well, Joe, take care of yourself, yeah. bud. Good stuff last Friday. And okay, cool, cool. SP futures down twenty. Nasdaq down sixty six. Be right back, Kenny Polkerry. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew, Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 21. NASDAQ Futures down 71. I understand we have the market sage, Mr. Kenny Polkiri, with us. You do, you do. What's uh, what's going on? I hear you're consulting to the Bank of England. Thousand dollars an hour. <laughs> no. They haven't hired me yet, although I did throw my name in. <laughs> it's crazy what's going on over there, right? They're warning of now financial instability. They use these words and kind of, you know, uh, I get it because I suppose it is on the verge of financial instability. But, you know, in the current environment, it creates nothing but angst for people. And maybe rightly so because maybe they've, you know, maybe they clearly uh, have something to worry about over there. And we're going to find out because it's going to start to unfold. Uh, in terms of how the Bank of England responds, right? They've already extended their bond buying program through Friday. It was supposed to end today, but they kind of extended that through Friday. Uh, and then we'll see what happens on Friday, right? If there's still instability, they may end up extending it longer, which is only going to send the signal that, in fact, there is instability in that market. Um, yeah, I guess. So guess what I found? I'm, I'm a guy who, when I go to the store on Sunday morning, I always buy... Audrey's Poodle, a new toy. Well, I found a new toy here. I, I found a bond valuation calculator. Now, this is going to be dangerous in my hand, Kenny. 
Um, yeah. Now, the, the Bank of England, I guess my question to you is, how do people, I'm going to say that if you and I were in that room of the Bank of England's, uh, whatever what they call the guys that are on there, directors or whatever, I'm going to say that you and I would feel maybe, eh, I don't know, neither one of us are ever, ever very intimidated by anything. There's going to be guys there with economic degrees from Oxford and Cambridge and everything. How could how could they have been so dumb to let this happen? Well, listen, that's the part that I'm questioning myself. We got guys from you know Harvard, Yale, and Stanford on and MIT uh, in the U.S. government, in the Treasury, and all that stuff. And it's the same question: how could how could they have missed it when guys like you and me clearly understood back in the spring of 2021 that there was a problem brewing? A problem brewing. You, me, and a whole lot of other people just like us that lived it every day, that started every day suddenly stood up and said, whoa, 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 there's a problem here. But they all told us we were wrong. Every single one of them said, no, 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 nothing to worry about. You're wrong. And so it's amazing to me that you ask that question because I'm sure there's a bunch of Brits that feel the same way about what's going on over there at the Bank of England. All these, you know, well-educated Ivy League uh, people that completely missed the boat. And now they, you know, they, they, they flip so quickly and so hard the other way, just like we're seeing what the Fed do, is that it's going to cause uh, instability. Well, the only thing that's that's uh, frustrating me here, Kenny, is I can't get this bond valuation calculator to to uh, uh, calculate something with a negative interest rate. Maybe these guys should have paid attention to the calculator. You don't run it negative, you idiots. Uh, get a look, I, I mean, I, I'm stunned at this. I'll see if you are too. You probably know more more about this than me. We have a thousand dollar bond yep. with, with a two percent coupon rate. Okay, yep. and the market rate is 0.1 percent, not two. I mean, yeah. you'll uh, you'll probably know exactly off the top of your head. What do you suppose that bond is trading for? Uh, I don't, because I'm not really in the bond. I don't trade the bond, so I'd have to stop and think about that and look at it for a minute to see. But go ahead and tell That's me what it is. Fourteen hundred bucks. Fourteen hundred dollars, right? So, so the bonds so worth a thousand trading for fourteen hundred because you're going to get a two percent yield. No, because the, the the coupon rates too, and your your <laughs> yield is point right. The coupon rates too. Right. Your 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 say your your real rate is point one point zero one. Not, right. I can't because I can't get the order zero. But now, if the market interest rate does a bit yep. or you turn on you like it's doing, and goes to say four, which is not yep. not crazy for a twenty year bond, right? Guess what the right. bond? Guess what that bond is down to? Well, that bond's got to get down to. I imagine it's got to get below a thousand, right? It's got to go somewhere in the nine. Se- eight, seven seven twenty six. Seven twenty six. Wow. So we're, you're down. Roughly forty-five percent on that bond in your in your portfolio. Wow. So, if the if the well, I'm going to say how can I say this politically correctly? If the idiots <laughs> if the idiots allowed the pension funds or yeah. forced the pension funds to buy those bonds, they're down forty-five yeah. percent in two years, Kenny. For God's yeah. sake, how could you ever? How, how could you? The chances of you or I. I don't know if you. I don't know if you manage money specifically like I, like I do. The chances of of me buying that bond down there for your dad are zero. Right. It, like these people are supposed to be way smarter than me, and they they all went and did it. Well, what is the matter with them? Right. Well, because I, you know that's their world, right? So they think they they think they know better than you and I do, and so they'll continue to do that. That's why that's why the different asset classes and the people in them exist. But like you. I couldn't justify doing that as well. But in, in our lifetime, every time somebody goes off the reservation to do yeah. something short-term, 
Does it yep. not come? Does it not come back to bite him in the ass twice as hard as it as it ever again? It, it it always does, and that's so funny because history keeps repeating itself. We keep seeing it happening, yet it continues to happen. What do you suppose the the uh, I hope the French <laughs> were smart enough, or the rest of the people and Germans, to just let the central banks buy these bonds? What do you suppose the portfolio of the central bank, the ECB, looks like? If well, you, if you, you market know, the market, look at the portfolio of the of, of even the Fed, right? What's it look like? So, okay, it's going to be down, but to them, they they don't have to recognize it, right? They don't have to realize it. They can keep uh, they can keep the rules to get themselves out of it. So, so while it may look ugly on a on a specific day basis, I don't think they're really concerned about it, right? Well, I mean, uh, they're 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 not, but they're going to see one thing. I, I bet they're not getting any more mortgage runoff now that the rates have gone up. Yeah, probably not. So the, so the ones they bought at six percent, which were a good buy, are probably all gone. And the ones they bought at three, they probably they're going to be living with them forever, right? <laughs> well, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, until they come up with a plan to get rid of those somehow. Yeah, somehow, yeah. They'll come up with some fancy accounting plan and you know change all the rules and say, "Oh, look at this." <laughs> we had a guy on yesterday who's in the uh, mortgage uh, service industry, and and he says what they they do with these things is. Whoever it is, whether it's Fannie, Freddie, or or uh, mighty, I get, I'm assuming the Fed's in this pool, is if you if you get a whole bunch of them that are non-performing, you just put a whole package together of like a couple thousand of them, and you sell them to somebody right. for like seventy cents and on a buck or sixty-five. Like they did what they did in the in the subprime market, right? They put them all together, they re- they they recreated them, they gave them a high rating, and they sold it to investors around the world. And we know how that ended. Well, this time they're actually taking quite a discount, so right. it's up to the firm to do a quick like random sample and say. You know, half the people are right. paying, and the other half is they're gone. There's right. weeds around the place. There's alligators. <laughs> they don't. That's. Right. I mean, I, I don't know how these guys. I, it wouldn't surprise me, Kenny, if the market goes lower than when all this started. Yeah, I, I. Well, my sense is I wasn't sure it was going to, but I'm getting I'm getting much more pessimistic that I think it's going to. Right, and I'm not calling it. I'm not happy about. It. I think you have to be realistic, right? That I, I think there is some trouble ahead. You can see it now brewing in the UK market. You can certainly see it brewing over here in the US, whether they want to admit it or not. You can see it. You and I can see it. We can feel it. And so um, I'm just hoping that uh, uh, it's not it's not what I think it's going to be. Well, Kenny, it's as much as I don't I don't know that any any central bank could do it. Uh, but if there are some pension funds that are in trouble, yeah. And again, I'm not recommending this. If yeah. if 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 you and I f- figured we needed to save their ass, uh, yeah. I guess if we went in and bought bonds a little higher from them, even then they'd have to take a massive loss because we're not gonna we're not gonna buy them right. from them at, at at the price they paid for them. There's no way we'd be foolish enough to do that, right? Correct. I would hope. But th- th- this general their rates. I'm looking at their rates here. Their rates are like. Uh, um, f- they're like four and a quarter percent for a ten-year. That's not that's not off the top. I mean, I mean they're going to go into the markets and try and drive that down to what two or something. How much money is that going to cost? How much they got to print yeah, to do think, that? Uh, that's not happening right now, for sure. No, uh, I only right. No, I, I mean, it, higher but but how, how do they? How is that going to help the pension fund that's six hundred hours in the hole on a thousand-dollar bond? Uh, it's not going to help the pension fund, and that's going to be part of the problem, right? That's going to be part of the part of the uh, crisis that's, that's starting to develop, right? Whether it's here, whether it's in, whether it's in Europe. I mean, so I guess... It's going to be a problem. Well, I guess if, if 
if you were decided as the as the head of this group, because you'd, you'd have to be the head of it, not me, if you decided that this huge pension fund is about to go under, yeah, I, I don't know yeah, if you and I would agree. I don't, know, I don't know what choice you have other than to rescue it, right? Because it's not like uh, it's not like you know some haphazard bank. It's a pension fund, right? And so, what are you going to do? You're going to let it go down? You, you can't. That's no, but it, I mean, I would rather. I mean, I, I I would vote. Boy, much as I would hate to do it, hold my nose. I would vote to help them out and not try and right. not try and throw so much money at the market that the rate moves. I don't think you're right. big enough to do that. No, right. I, but I think you're right. They're going to have to save. They're going to have to, right? They're going to have to save that pension fund um, because they're going to be put in that position to do it. And I think most people would would agree with you that they'd rather save the fund, right? Pension fund. Well, anybody who paid that kind of money for paid thirteen hundred bucks for a thousand dollar bond. I mean, I, I don't I don't care who's telling you to do it. You can't do right. that. Right. That's a, that's insanity. Right. But at the time, every, everyone was doing it, right? Everyone was doing it, sure. Sure. Do you remember, we only got a second, do you remember back in, uh, I'm not going to age you here, but in uh, 1980, August of like 81 or 80, 82, I believe it was? Yeah. The yeah. First of all, what was the, the bond, because there were no futures at the time, stock futures, the bond that actually was traded. There's always one bond. It's a key bond, right? At the Board of yeah. Trade, what, what was the coupon rate on that? Well, see, listen, while I was around in 1981, I was actually just beginning my career at the New York Stock Exchange, so I was always in stocks, not bonds. So I would not know the answer to that question. You probably do, but I don't. Well, because well, here that's all we did on the options floor. We watched the right. bonds because right. there was no future. Right. But the coupon rate was 8 and a quarter, 8.5%. 8.5%. And guess where the, the guess where the low tick was? Where? Like sixty-seven. <laughs> so what does that put it? Twelve and a half or so? Yeah, yeah. I mean, can you Probably. can you? Boy, talk about a great buy, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a great buy. They don't exist right. No, well, I mean, you had it for thirty years. Right. I mean, it obviously got a lot higher than a hundred at some point, but uh, yeah. So you picked that thing up for twelve for. For sixty-seven cents on the buck, and they're, and they're paying eight and a half percent on on the buck. Nice right. do. Right. Well, and, and, then it, and then it rallied, and then it rallied nicely. Yeah. Well, that, that was your choice to just sit there and take your checks or take your capital gain. Right. So it was it was, right. it was a hard decision to make, Kenny. <laughs> so, what should I win on this one or should I win on that one? Those are always the good ones. So hey, uh, what's the real quick? What's Florida horrible stories? You got people living living with you or what? No, well, look, I'm on the East Coast, right? So we were, I'm on the Southeast Coast, right down in the Palm Beaches. So we ended up just getting wind and rain. Remember, it veered away from us. It was supposed to hit us head on. And then uh, and the two days after the that, that announcement, then it veered and went to the West Coast. So uh, it hit really the West Coast much harder, obviously. We've seen it than it hit the East Coast at all. So I'm actually okay. Uh, and the East Coast down here in the Southern Florida is fine. Well, everybody I know from the West Coast, is, uh, is living with somebody on the East Coast. I thought maybe he had yeah. borders. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't have anyone on the West Coast. Everyone I have is here on the East Coast. But All right. You're right. You've never that, that, you know, that, that Ian is rot on the state of Florida is really incredible. And so I thought to praise God to all those people. One of the, my buddies, is uh, his best friends lives down there, and he took his two nice cars, his his, uh, his sports car, uh, midlife crisis car, and one of like a nice other car, 35 miles inland, and they got washed washed inland too. The place yeah. they stored them get flooded. Yeah, well, you know, because we're, I mean, we're sea level, right? There's no hills. There's no. There's no nothing to stop it at all. Once it starts, it just washes over the whole place. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I'm glad you made it out okay. Talk at you next week, buddy. SP Futures only down 12. We're re- Kenny, we're causing a rally. We're only down 12. NASDAQ Futures down 41. Be right back. Professor Helsner. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hear ye, hear ye. The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air. Well, I'm by Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Almost Rand around the board. SP Futures only up, only, um, down, only down 11. We were down 25 a little while ago. NASA Futures down 41, so we're rallying here a little bit. Do we have the professor? Hey, good morning. How are you, bud? I'm uh, doing well. Yeah. Are you calling from, like, the subway under yeah. Brooklyn or what? No, um, I uh, decided to stay home this morning um, and work at home. I have a pretty nice home office on the third floor of my in-laws house but, uh, so you can look down Tuesday I don't I don't teach today so you can, you can look down and all the people literally look down and all the people are scrambling to go to work down the street <laughs> no I don't do that I'm, I'm among them oh okay you're, I, you're I'm, the, I'm there I'm their economist I'm not the uh, elite financial I'm not the uh, elite financial uh, bankers 
economist. So you're not the elite people in uh, in in Britain that are scrambling to buy buy their bonds back because <laughs> all the pension funds are going <laughs> under. But I, I I don't know. Uh, Hell, I don't. I just talked to I'm, Ken. I'm, I'm on that. I'm on that sidewalk. I just just talking to Kenny and about about that and how these guys are supposed to be so smart. I mean, as brilliant as you are. You're not Oxford Cambridge. You, know, you might be smarter than those guys, but it doesn't matter. Those guys got the Oxford Cambridge thing going. And where did you get your PhD? PhD just out of curiosity. I got it from Washington State. Okay, so you know, you know you're not you're not you're not Oxford Cambridge, even yeah. though the, the economic school of Washington State might be better. Nobody cares. You don't have the name, right? <laughs> yeah, that's some really good guys there. Well, I'm, I'm sure they did, but no, I just got my my MBA at the uh, University of Chicago, which Sounds okay if you're from Chicago, but I had a I had a chance to go over and do a year, or maybe it was a half a year, at Oxford or Cambridge, one of the two, and I, I could wow. have gotten some kind of a, I don't know, kind of a half-assed economics degree over there, and even though I might have just gone over there and partied with the English girls and gone to the pub every night, how much smarter would I sound if I say I had a degree from Cambridge too? Yeah, you'd be, uh, yeah, you'd be probably lauded and applauded and. Um, Even if I didn't, I probably wouldn't have learned as much there as I did the University of Chicago. But just just think of the difference because of the name. Yeah, we well, could have that. You could uh, practice on your English accent too. That would help out. Well, I, I can't even. I, I got. I can't even get a regular accent. I'm still South Side after all these years. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're, you 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 sound like the the woman on the uh, commercial three four oh, three tr- nine. Yeah, three four three nine. Yeah. Well, God, Audrey's worse than me. She can't. She can't say three. She's tree, tree, tree. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> plus, plus, if you tell her that, she's always outraged. Even though, whatever. I'm, so get a load of this. I'm going. I'm going to. For the next few weeks, I'm going to. Uh, you and poor Brandon. I'm going to. I was digging through my stuff. Clean. You know what my office looks like. Well, I'm trying to clean a little bit. So I dug out some articles that I saved, and lo and behold, I found that I saved them for a reason, right? Because they're they're so spectacular from like ten years ago, and. Uh, so I was going to take you and Brendan through like one of them a week because they are so classic. In the sense that oh, wow. ev- everybody who argues now about, you know, what's going on with the, you know, whether Trump was an idiot or Biden's an idiot or whatever, all these problems were there 10 or 15 years ago. They're just, they're just working their way through. I mean, the idea that, you know, Biden's there for two years, everything wrong in the world is his fault is so ignorant it's scary. Now, Trump... You know, he was the great savior. No, he wasn't. I mean, he did the same thing all the other guys have done before and after, other than sound off more. I mean, no, nothing really has changed. But here's one that I, it's, it's, it's bold-faced. It's really awful I mean, when you think about it. Uh, I'm going to ask you just off the top of your head for, I mean, I'm sure you could write 15 Ph.D. papers on this, but uh, growth and in family income. And it takes uh, five stratuses of society, right? You know, bottom 20, second 20, blah, blah, blah. 1947 to 1979, the bottom 20% grew 100. This is an income, 116%. Next, next was 100, then 111, then 114, and actually, the top 20% grew the least in income of 0.99. Um, now, the next 20 some years or 30 years, 1980 to 2007, I just read them across: plus 15%, plus 22, plus 23, plus 33, and then the uh, top 20%. Uh, plus ninety-five. Uh, get, a, get a load of this. This is even. This is even weirder. Hell, up ninety-five percent in income. This is the top twenty percent. However, if you if you back out the top one percent, 
Even the top 20% of society was only up 31%, and the top 1% is up 261. So if you're not one of the, even, even if you're in the top 20%, you had a horse bleep 30 years if you weren't one of the top 1%. What, if you could put, you know, off the top of your head, again, I mean, I, this, is a, this is a serious assignment for anybody, uh, where's the difference? I mean, I, I can think of about 10 different reasons, but what would come to the top of your head first? Why, I mean, this is an amazing difference. I think the uh, lack of growth at the lower levels is a result of uh, government encouraging consumption. So people in the middle classes and lower are, you know, asked to be the little consumers. And that's what Bush said after 9-11, right? Nothing to see here. Continue doing what you are doing. We need you to be the little consumers. I mean, that's what universal basic income is all about. Go out there and be the little consumer. Um... The people at the uh, upper end, um, they 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 have access to credit. Uh, they have access to the policy levers. I mean, they're the ones that are revolving in and out of Treasury and the Fed, Wall Street, and back. They're making the rules, and they're also players in the rules. So they're they're the referee, and uh, they're refereeing the game that they're playing. And if you look at interest rates from the 1980s on, uh, they've been pushing them down to zero, from you know 20 percent, 19 percent down to zero, and they have access to this credit. Uh, ben Bernanke just won the Nobel Prize for economics. I don't know. I mean, I, I think he should have won it for history, not economics. But I mean, he he's the he's the uh, defender of this. Purchase costs, right? He creates the bubble. They get wealthy on the on the on the housing bubble, on pr- housing prices going up, and then they get bailed out after making all those bad decisions, right? So I I think the whole system is skewed um, to this elite class of people, and everything we see on the news every day is just a big show. I mean, I mean, I sound cynical right now, but oh yeah, well. Uh, it's just a big. It's just a big show. Republicans hate Democrats, and Democrats hate Republicans. Just one big show to divide us, and uh, you know, and to hide what's really going on. I mean, it, it's like that. It's like that movie with uh, uh, what was it, uh, Hugh Jackman, about with uh, Christian Bale about magic. Uh, you know, you have the deflection. You know, yeah. the pretty girl on stage. Um, and that's all this is just one big magic show, in my opinion. So you're not a you're not a you're not a John Wayne fan, I take it. Oh, I love I like John Wayne, but I'm more I like uh, Clint Eastwood. I'm, I prefer Clint Eastwood movies, the raw and, and dirty, and and his ability not to say anything, and it's just incredible. I I, I, I prefer uh, Clint. Well, the reason why I ask is one of the movies, uh, Big Jake, with a uh, uh, what's what's his name, Paladin. One of my dad's favorites. Oh yeah, well, but there's one scene in there where they're trying to get up above the saloon, the two guys, and, and steal something from the other guy. The other guy, they need a diversion. So John Wayne walks yeah. into the bar and he says, "Who's the orneriest guy in this bar?" And they said, "Well, that would be this guy, Mister Sweet." And there's this big, massive man. <laughs> the guy's like, that, that looks like a, you know, a mountain, right? So John Wayne waxes. It looks like Sweet in uh, Clint Eastwood's uh, uh, Marine movie. Uh, Wait a bit. Yeah, <laughs> but so the, so he, he whacks him over the head with a pool cue, and it doesn't even phase the guy. And he goes, "Uh oh!" 
So the guy whacks him, but he goes flying out the front door. <laughs> and, and as soon as he, and, and he says, he, Mr. Sweet comes out, and he goes, oh, what? So I don't know what's going, what's wrong with you. So he sees the two guys that had made their 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 stealing leave the leave the the place. So he's he, he's free now. So he says the big Swede, yeah. "Have you ever been to Nacogdoches?" And Swede goes, "Well, no." And he goes, "Well, then pardon me," and walks away. <laughs> big Swede goes, well, but, "But I've never been there." But he was the diversion, right? Well, the other two guys. Oh, yeah, t- that's exactly what all this is. I, th- I think exactly it's very close. I see it from ten miles away. So what? I mean, uh, there's but there's got to be some. Uh, gotta be talk about Southside, or there needs to be uh, some. I mean, if you were to drop a, uh, uh, a a chart or a graph on top of this, of of maybe companies taking their corporate offices overseas, or or people taking their 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 business over. I mean, something caused the bottom two and three and four groups here to not make any money over the next twenty twenty seven years. I mean, other than other than greed, there has to be some structural differences, and I think a lot of it has to do with maybe I don't know, but I, I would I would look towards, you know, companies going overseas with some stuff, some reason why, you know, people in in, in 1980 were making <clears throat> 20 bucks an hour in a factory, and 25 years later are still making 20 bucks. I mean, that's a there there needs to be well, I'd say there there needs to be some study on that spot. Um, yeah, I think because I don't know that that's has a lot to do with the uh, uh, interest rates. I mean, it might, it might but, uh, but I think some of it has to do with your, your labor people all of a sudden aren't making any dough. I mean, uh, compared to, I mean, in terms of. Well, I think I think I, I think you stopped the top of my head. I think what happens is um, everybody wants. I think everybody wants to be kind of left alone, live their lives. But I think on some level, people are libertarian. But I also think people. Most people, I mean, this, I'm not saying this is good or bad, but a lot of people want to be protected, and they want to be protected from maybe competitors, but the average Joe has no power. They don't have any political power. Right. And these politicians that are running for office, they're not representing the people of their districts. They're not representing the people of their state. They're representing the interest of the people who put all that money into their into their uh, campaigns, right? Right. Oh, yeah. Right down. So the people at the, lo- the people at top, People at the top that run the show that, you know, pull the strings, so to speak. I love that song by Metallica and Master of Puppets because uh, there are people pulling these strings, right? We're, we're in Plato's puppet show, right, in that cave. So you have these people at the top that are pulling the strings. And I, maybe this is it. Maybe this is all it is. But they have the power to, you know, consider a player and a referee in the game at the same time. They have the power to direct the... Uh, protections from their competitors. Well, the, that's what trade deals all are about, right? Well, absolutely. They, they they can they can get the protection. They can use government to protect themselves from that competition, whereas the average Joe can't. Well, and then that competition pushes down your wage, right? Your compadre Milton Maybe Friedman. That's what it is. Milton Friedman used to say the only way you can really enforce a monopoly is if government helps you. Yeah, exactly. Or that's the only way you can do it. And that's that's exactly what's going on with the baby formula thing. Right? Yeah. I mean, the, the government created that whole whole thing with uh, th- th- this cartel of what two or three suppliers. Well, they, yeah, well, they, in any state, they only they only give they only have one supplier. What's the point? Of, well, first of all, the idea that the government buys over fifty percent of all the baby formula—I would stop right there. I mean, what, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, how, how did that? Yeah, I mean, they have all kinds. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a, but I, I somewhere, it, when some of it's sociological. Um, yeah, when I was at when I was at Pullman, uh, he, he was before my time. But one of the uh, uh, they claim the best plant manager they ever had was a guy who was he was a uh, matter of fact you, you and he would have been uh, best buds because he was big on on family and education the whole bit, and he would uh, absolutely doesn't want anybody didn't want people working overtime, as you know unless they had to, and uh, wanted people home for the weekend. Because his idea was, you come here, you give me a solid eight hours. It's that's plenty. <laughs> um, nobody can really do more than that, you know. Not, not with email. Well, there were no emails and stuff in those days. You go home, you go bowling or play softball, whatever you're supposed to. Take care of your family. On Saturday, get the kids to go fishing, whatever it was. He'd come in on a Saturday, and if, if you were there, he'd say, uh, "Mr. Snar, it's your name. <laughs> um, I see you're here on a Saturday. Uh, yes, I am." Uh, well, there can only be two reasons for that. One is you don't know what you're doing, or two is you don't have enough help. Which is it? <laughs> that's cool. But that was his philosophy. If you come in here yeah. at 8 o'clock and bust your fanny at 5 o'clock, that's, that's more than anybody can give. And, and Pullman had uh, data going back to you know 1870. They had more data than anybody. You know, I don't know what happened to all that stuff, but if you could have got, I mean, you're not exactly, well, I'm not saying you're not, but, uh, I mean, you're not really a labor economist, but if you had all that data, you might. I don't. I don't know. I, I'm. I just thinking about now. Where the hell did it all go? But they had stats that would tell you that if you, if it's a Friday night and you know a, a something was late, a delivery was late on a material or something, and you needed to get a car out, uh, you could work ten hours on a Friday, or you could come in a half a day on a Saturday and get it done. One time deal, everything was fine. But if you if you started working people ten hours a day every day instead of eight. They could tell you exactly what day that your 10 hours a day gives you the exact same production as the 8 because you just can't, you can't get you just can't get more out of people. Same way with Saturday. If you work yeah. 6 days a week, they could say after I think it was like 4 and a half months. After 4 and a half months, your 6 days you've been doing exactly what you've been doing at 5. Because people people need balance. Was was their sociological coming out of a, a guy who was greedy as hell, George Pullman. These were these were stats. They said, "Okay, they took it from the other side. Why should I pay overtime if I'm not getting anything for it? It wasn't like they were being, you know, their hearts popping out of their chest for people. They 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 they, they looked at it as a as an economic thing. You, if you if people if all the stuff is ready for people to work at eight o'clock when they walk in, and they work solidly through to five o'clock, that's all you can get out of somebody, which is probably true, right? Anyway, well, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah. So I'm I mean, I'm wondering. This, these are dramatic changes over decades-long period, and there has to be some amazing stuff that you, you should be able to tell, and this, this graph doesn't do this, somewhere between 1975 or 6 and 1984, you should start to see this bending, um, and you should, you, should start, you should be able to drop other stuff on top of it and figure out what, what's causing the bending. And I, I just don't have the smarts to do it. I, maybe between the two of us, we have some of your... The guys that are now your plebes, if we made them work on it, we could probably get something out of this. You need plebes. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I just think uh, it's just the way the rules are set up, right? You yeah, know, so. if, if, a, if a person at middle income is using credit to uh, buy groceries or, or buy that house or buy that car, 
they can't build wealth, right? But right. A, oh, yeah. a, a richer person, a rich person can borrow, has access to credit, can borrow to buy Bitcoin, can borrow to buy an NFL football team, can borrow to buy Twitter. You know, Elon Musk is not using cash. You know, he's arranging loans to buy Twitter. Why? Because he's going to make more money. I mean, if, if Twitter goes up 10% over the course of the year and he decides to sell it in a year, and he's leveraged that purchase, he makes a lot more money leveraging it than he does buying it with cash, because he's only going to make 10% in a cash buy. And I think most people at middle income or lower, they're not doing that. They're not, they're not playing that game. You know, they're going to they're gonna buy something with cash. Uh, the thing about buying it with, I mean, I think a lot of people would prefer to buy a car with cash and not deal with the loans. I mean, if you listen to Dave Ramsey, he doesn't want people using debt at all, right? No, no. I no. think, yeah. So you have you have people, middle class or below, not understanding how debt can be used to grow their wealth. And then on top of that, what happened after the financial crisis is they come in and they, they you know, they put these rules on the number of mortgages people can have. And, and, you know, they sell it as a way to protect people. But I think what really happens with Dodd-Frank is it lowers the competition that these financial elites have. If you look at the number one buyers of real estate throughout the United States, top buyers are these, you know, hedge funds are going out and buying real estate from people, right? So they have less competition. If they have less competition, these properties don't cost as much as they would have, right? Right. Well, yeah. So I, they can get them at a lot lower prices. I, have a, I got a question for I you. Think, I, think it's that, I think that is kind of what's going on here. And we don't see it because this public show of Democrats hate Republicans and vice versa, and, and you know Republicans are racist, misogynist, and you know it's all a puppet show in my opinion. I mean, I well, sure watch the news and I'm like, yeah. Well, people are inflamed by it, though. People, are, I mean, there's people I know that they keep sending me this conservative stuff. Some not as many people send me the yeah. liberal stuff, but I have a question: What this Twitter situation? Um, how how do you? <laughs> You just mentioned that people can borrow money, and you're talking. You mentioned uh, Musk, but if you're on, I, I think you know this has been, been going on so long. I might have the wrong name, but uh, you know, spare spare me the uh, whatever. If I, I think Morgan Stanley is supposed to be one of the big l- lenders. Is that the truth? Or I thought their name was there early on, or at least trying to find the the, the lenders. But how do you how do you the guy's going to pay what fifty fifty four bucks for it allegedly? And, yeah, uh, I, I think he's got to stick to that, right? I mean, well, he's trying to get out of it. Well, of course now hasn't the stock price dropped on it? Well, the debt stock price down to fifty, but he he won't yeah. go through with it until they drop the court case. And they're saying we're not dropping yeah. the court case till you go through with it. So there's still there's still some. I mean, he, he's still trying to weasel his way out, I think. But that's just me. You know, and when, and when he first paid his offer, Twitter wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> well, I mean, and now that you know the stock market's kind of collapsed, you know, and they're like begging him to. to to go to go through it, right? They're, they're suing him. Well, to go but, through it, well, right? let's uh, let's put the professor and like the board at Morgan Stanley, and then let's just we'll use their name. I don't know if they're going to arrange the loans. Somebody, somebody is supposedly going to lend the guy twenty billion dollars, right, for this thing. Well, yeah. The it's been on. Not that anybody should listen to TV or anything. People on there, but from day one, the price that people are talking about on TV that might this thing might be worth might because they make like what two bucks a year it might be 20 to 25 bucks that's it 
not not 54 so say 25 so if you if the unlikely event that you or I are sitting on the board of Morgan Stanley which I mean would be really unlikely and <laughs> the guy walks in with this 20 billion dollar loan package how do we not say something and say what are you doing <laughs> what are you, what are you what are you lending these people $20 billion when the, when the place isn't even worth $20 billion, according to everybody? I mean, well, if you, if, you, if you... I'm not sure if anybody out there knows about this, but there's this school of thought called the Post-Keynesian School of Thought. And their idea is that the Fed doesn't uh, determine the money supply. The Fed sets interest rates. And when they set them low, it induces banks to make you know these loans because... You know, people like Elon Musk need capital to make such purchases, right? So the banks will make the loans, and then they go to the Fed and say, hey, I just made this $20 billion loan. I need to borrow from you, and I'm too big to fail, so the Fed is not going to let them fail. They're going to give them that loan. So these low interest rates induce banks to make these kinds of loans. They make the loan because they're, they're lending it to Elon at a higher rate then they're getting in it from the Fed. So they have a net interest margin, and all of the risk is offloaded to the taxpayer, right? Well, so the taxpayer well, has to finance the, the bailout, and the taxpayer is financing the Well, only if the bank goes under, which the bank doesn't really want to do. You know, but, talk about a but cash the bank's cow. not going to go under because the Fed's not going to let them go under. Well, right? that's true. Some, some they will. Some they will. If you're, if you're, yeah. if you're, well, the, you, well they'll, they'll have to have that sacrificial anode. Right? In the Navy, we, we talked about these sacrificial anodes, these, these ink tablets that were inside the uh, condensers, you know, seawater condensers, and we wanted that zinc to corrode instead of the metals inside of the condenser. So there's always a sacrificial anode, right? And that's what Lehman Brothers was. Hey, look, you know, we let this you know organization fail, right? But, but if, if you're if you're the chairman of the Self Loop Bank, and you go under. Uh, somebody's going to gleefully. Oh, they don't care. Yeah, somebody's going to yeah. gleefully grab your assets. The Fed will pay up for the liabilities, move it to the new place, and, yeah. and, and Professor Hell's well, that's what, out of that's a job. That's what happened in the financial crisis, right? In the in the wake, these big, too big to fail banks got even bigger because well, they were using. I think they used half the money that they got from TARP well, they, to buy other banks. Right? Well, they the, got even bigger. Well, the Fed has decided that the system being strong is giving the banks so much money that even they can't screw it up. <laughs> well, it creates all kinds of moral hazard, and that's why yeah. this stuff happens, right? But, I mean, their point is... Right? What, what, if, what does a bank really do? It borrows short from callable loans that we call checking accounts, and it lends long, right? And all the risk is offloaded to the taxpayer. In the form of FDIC well, yeah, or yeah. Big to Fail or SIFI. They call it SIFI now, not too big to fail. Significant international financial institutions, right? Well, They're significant, so we're going to bail them out. Well, lending, so the taxpayer is on the dime. Well, lending, uh-huh. borrowing short, like a, like a savings and loan did, and lending long is somewhat okay if you have a Fed that knows what the hell they're doing. I mean, if the money supply grew at 3% a year or 25 and you're and you're... Fed funds rate was 3.5% for 40 years. You could do exactly what savings and loans did and never never be a problem. It's only when the Fed bleeps up that the federal that the savings and loan die, right? Well, you know, if, if I had my way, 
and nobody's going to agree with this, especially your listeners. I don't think they're going to listen to me. But if I had my way, uh, there would be no government backing of these institutions at all. Well, let's let's and cover this after break. The market right? would have be the, the yeah okay yeah. That's because is only down four now, and as if he's down eighteen. We're trying to rally. We tried to rally a few times yesterday, and every single time, uh, somebody swatted it back. But we'll see today. We're going to try again. Be right back, stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, welcome back, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen, Andrew on the board. SP Futures only down a buck now. We're heading, we're heading toward the plus side here. Uh, we will see if we can, we're going to get there, but we're sure trying to. Matter of fact, there we go. We're up a buck seventy-five. Uh, the NASDAQ is unchanged, so we're moving to the upside here somewhat. Dow's only down 33 now. Uh, I'm not even sure it's even down that, but the big mover in the Dow is Amgen up six bucks. Um, we have uh, over in Europe, we were down earlier. We're still down some. It's down 54 in the DAX, 0.4%, 40 in the FTSE, down six. 
Uh, Kakaron is actually up now, up five. Maybe we'll get a. I actually predicted last night, me predicting, believe it or not. We have some sort of a rally today. Four days in a row has been too much on the downside. I think it might even be a, a uh, bear market rally, but I think we're due for a rally. Renasia, these guys are close. They're not moving. Nikkei down 714, 2.6%. Shanghai up 5.19. Hang Seng, again, down 384, 2.2%. 16,832. We're going to ask, hell, what the, what's going to happen there if that keeps going down, down, down? Because it sure looks like it is. Yesterday, Dow was down 93. S&P down 27. NASDAQ down 110. So not horrible, but uh, pretty horrible after three down days before it. Uh, Bonds up one basis point now, only 3.89. Uh, Bund uh, down two. 2.30, Japan same at 0.25. Oil is down a buck 26, 89.87. Brent down 124, 94.95. Natural gas unchanged, 6.43. Arbob unchanged, 2.61. We've got gold up 3.80 now, 16.79. Silver down nine cents, 19.25. Copper up a penny, 3.44. We've got Bitcoin now is up 25 bucks, 19,248. We've got the U.S. dollar more than a point. We've got the euro. Up 27 to 0.97 on the dollar, and we got the British pound up 47 to 1.11 on the dollar. Andrew, what do you got for us? Traffic weather sports. All right, it is 7:36 here in Chicago on Tuesday, October 11th. And for sports, last night in Monday Night Football, the Raiders lost their game with a very strong early lead to the Chiefs, and ended 30 to 29. And in Major League Baseball on Sunday, the Padres ended the Wild Card series in a win over the Mets in a 6-0 game. Now for weather over in Chicago, it's currently clear skies at 54 degrees, but it's going to be reaching up to 75 with a low of 54. And over in Phoenix, it is partly cloudy at 71 degrees with a high of 93 and a low of 67. Now for Chicago traffic, we thankfully only have one accident today, uh, which occurred on the eastbound Kennedy over at Ogden Avenue. And now other than that, traffic is very heavy today on the northern roads extending from the Kennedy on both the inbound and the outside side, outbound sides. And with that, traffic is building on the inbound Eisenhower and Stevenson as well. That's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Professor, let's uh, kind of continue on for me actually remembering over break instead of thinking something else. Um, what, uh, well, I wanted to ask you a little bit, uh, a, little, a little bit about this Bank of England intervening and what, what do they think they're doing, but... I think whenever you whenever you get off off track on this, I mean, there's a well, the monetarist school that that the group that was the the Freedmanites, they were totally in the camp that the Fed was gonna, was supposed to provide stability. You're supposed to provide, um, you know, that your your money supply essentially goes up every year based on your real growth, and both real growth is you know two two and a half percent mostly. You can do better than that, like after a war or something. But by and large, it's two, two and a half, three percent maybe, and that's what you should expand the money supply at. Which, in, which the, the the neo the neo Keynesians that claim there's a difference between money supply and interest rates, uh, that's like that's like saying there's there's not a connection between how much you eat and how fat you are. I mean, it's it, it is exactly there's a connection there. I don't know where they're getting off on that, but um, but basically, if that happens. You and I can actually own a savings and loan where we pay 3% on passbook and put mortgages out at 6 and actually can make a living at it and and, and, and serve a real purpose. But if all of a sudden one year you're paying 12% on the passbook, uh, we got a problem, right, uh, Houston? I mean, which is what happened. And I, I think a lot of it is these policy issues. I mean, I, I can't I mean the Bank of England basically is putting these pension funds out of business. 
They're buying bonds. I went through the calculation earlier with uh, Kenny. They're buying bonds at fourteen hundred bucks, and they're, they're not are worth seven hundred on their balance sheet. I mean, you you, you can't do that. To me. That that's not management. That's mismanagement, right? I mean, how do you? I mean, where, where am I wrong here? I mean, it, their their job is to create stability, not what did uh Mayor Daly say about the police in nineteen sixty eight? The police were here to to not create disorder, but to preserve disorder or something like that. He, he made a a, a, a right. dumb remark on the, the the police are here to preserve disorder or something like that. I mean, is the Fed supposed I to be doing? Go ahead. I think what's going on is inflation is such a problem um, worldwide because everybody's been following the Fed. You know, you have all these central banks in other nations following the Fed. It was happening in China. You know, Trump kept talking about how China is manipulating currency. But I think the ultimate manipulator of currency was the United States. Oh, sure. Right? sure. And all China was doing was trying to keep up with the United States, right? And so you have all these banks that were following the Fed, the Fed's putting all kinds of money, and all of a sudden Powell wakes up and he's like, man, it's not transitory. We have all this inflation. we gotta, we got to solve it. Meanwhile, inflation is such a problem that people aren't buying wants anymore. They're having trouble buying the need. Right, and you've right. seen that in Europe. So, with inflation as bad as it is, people are only buying their wants. That means people who build—I mean, sorry—people are buying only their needs. People who build wants aren't selling anything; they're laying people off. So, you in Europe, in England, you have recession, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. And so, what we're doing is we're fighting the inflation, and Europe doesn't want. United States to fight that inflation because they're trying to fight a recession that is of their making. So England, by buying their own bonds, is trying to trying to prevent uh, the economy from sinking deeper into recession. So we're we're fighting inflation over here. England, Germany, the European Union, China—they're all trying to keep their economies from sinking into a deep deep recession. And I, I think that recession is going to be worldwide. It's going to be pretty bad within the year. Well, I think, I think our uh, our guys, I don't know, I mean, you're, ne- you're never going to get me to say they're not at fault because they surely are. I'm going to say that the lead the lead dog in the fault hunt might have been the ECB with the, with the ridiculous negative interest rates. I think I think yeah. we we followed them. We, did, we didn't smack them upside the head by saying we're not doing that when they were doing it. But we, we really didn't, even though we had our guys... Yeah, you're... you're Europe was doing that. I agree with that, and they're more. They tend to be more mercantilist than we are. Well, they also they have, have they have centuries of mercantilism. Well, they also have some places that are that are non-performing totally. We really don't. Yeah. We really don't do that directly with our states here. I mean, we don't. We don't. Uh, well, not that I know of, anyway. Um, we don't say that you know. Gee, Mississippi's in a world of hurt. We're gonna we're gonna go buy Mississippi bonds and bail them out. I I, I don't think we do that from the federal level. I mean, well, I think I think we kind of did that during the pandemic, right? Uh, we, we just we just gave the, checks, the we gave money. We, I mean, because you know the Biden administration, one of the first things they did is they injected a bunch of cash in New York, yeah, and California, kind of short up their deficits, right? So we we kind of did it during the pandemic. Well, we did it. But it wasn't it wasn't directed by the Fed. It was more directed by Treasury. And right. Well, they they just they just sent money to the state. But, they, but on an ongoing practice, yeah. uh, I don't know if I'm wrong here. Just tell me because I'm I'm, going, I'm walking out the plank. Uh, on an ongoing practice, I don't think the Fed or the Treasury buys up bonds in crummy states where 
No, the, no the, yeah, they're not doing it like Europe. The Europe, European Central Bank. A, I think Europe is kind of a mess because uh, each one issues debt, and the the central bank's got to figure out which ones, which nation states are they going to purchase the debt from. Where in the United States, you only have one issuer of debt that the Fed the Fed is supposedly purchasing. But now the Fed is, you know, purchasing corporate. Right, they, they can purchase pretty much anything now. Mortgage-backed securities at all, you know, but except for the state treasury. But isn't aren't the there state. allegedly? I got this from listeners, and uh, uh, you know, some of the some bonds, like say the a certain specific Italian bond for such and such a date, or Spanish, or somebody, or Greece, where the, where the central bank owns like eighty-five percent of the QSIP number. They own like all of it. Yeah, it's crazy number. Yeah, but I, but I don't I don't think we're doing that here with like like I said, Alabama, Mississippi. Oh no, we're not we're not doing that with California bonds. No, I don't think the Federal Reserve. I mean, if they have if they own federal uh, California bonds, I don't know. It's pretty hard to determine that stuff now. I think Fred Fed is. I, I don't know if you notice this, but the Federal Reserve Economic Database seems to be harder and harder to find the information that I'm looking for. Well, they don't for. give you the money supply every week like they, they, they yeah. their, their response to all this yeah. is to not give you the information, which is pretty screwed up. And I, yeah. I don't understand. I, mean, I, I, I think they're being less transparent. I think, it, I think comparing it to previous years, it's kind of harder for me to find stuff, especially on their app. On their app, I find it really difficult to find certain things. Well, there was a... There the was website, on my laptop, it's easier. There was a study, Hal. Now, how the hell people do these studies? I have no idea, but uh, um, remember when, when the guys go back twenty five years? You don't hear put too much anymore. When the bozos get up and they talk and they'd say, "Well, quite frankly," and now now they say something else. They don't say "quite frankly." They well, they say now with all in all truth or something or with all uh, whatever the, the, the term is. Whenever you get in front of Congress, you say this. So, so somebody puts his name on a study. It's a kick out of them referring to people as the honorable. Yeah. Well, somebody puts his name on a study and said, whenever somebody says, quite frankly, he's more than 50% or something liable to tell a lie. <laughs> anyway, because because then you know, then it comes to the fact that well, if you don't say quite frankly, does that mean it totally is a lie? I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, people, somebody had a lot of fun with it, but um, you just you really, whenever somebody says they're going to be more transparent, they're always going to be less. The Obama administration, oh, yeah. the yeah. Obama administration was supposed to be the most transparent. It, he, he cut more often than, than the Republicans do, and what you can see in, in, in yeah. here. You know, he was also, you know, prosecuting journalists. I think he prosecuted a New York Times writer yeah. and then one from Fox for publishing uh, leaked information from the White House. So, you know, it kind of, it, you know, he doesn't get criticized for it. Um, no, he was. Yeah, he, I, think, I think people who claim they're transparent. They're the opposite, right? They're Obama and, Obama and Reagan. And some politicians of both sides do that. Obama and Reagan were the were the two people you couldn't write anything bad about them. They were the Teflon people. No, no, yeah. Reagan, I don't know, because he was a movie star and whatever, and Obama because he was black or well, something. Clinton was pretty. Clinton, Clinton was really good. I mean, he's probably as far as politicians go, and I'm not sure this is a good thing. But as far as politicians go, I mean, I think he was probably the premier politician of his day. Oh God, yes! I mean, he was Without so good. Yeah, he was so good at it. You know what he was? He was really good at. I don't know. If this is a. I'm not saying that's a good thing. <laughs> right. I'm just saying, in terms of politics, that dude could do it. Well, I think. Well, the politics. I think you would agree with me. Has totally changed in terms of yeah. of now. If you have 20 percent of the population that's in your camp, Trump. 
he'll unhesitatingly run, knowing that he only has 20%. It's not like he's 20% in the polls, but the idea is if the other guy is 20%, the middle hates both of you so much, he'll take his chances on the, t- on the middle. Where in the old days, it's one man's opinion, the old days, the money was on the edges, and the middle was where the votes were. So the idea is for if you're on the right, you go ahead to God knows who, and you get a check from him, you hold your nose, you take a shower, and then you go back into the middle. Same thing on the left. I mean, but Clinton, I think, was by far, <laughs> the guy was amoral in just about every, every sense, almost well, in some ways a lot like Trump. He could go take a check from you, and you could be the world's biggest tree hugger over on the left. And the minute he walks out of your of your door, he has he forgets totally what he promised you. <laughs> he could care less. Where <laughs> Bush, on the other hand, when he was put in office, uh, really by the Republican Central Committee, I mean, they, they totally screwed McCain in that in that uh, campaign. But Bush, you know, they put him in, and he felt he owed those guys. I mean, so he he actually he went to war when we shouldn't have, because those guys wanted to the neocons. And oh, by the way. He didn't raise any taxes to pay for the war because they wanted taxes down. So he's he's the one who who started all this. The war on the credit card really started the deg- degradation of of the of the bonds, or I mean the federal deficit. And he he, he doubled the deficit, and, and there's all nobody else had ever done that before, except maybe wartime. And so that's that that's my biggest argument against the Federal Reserve because what what the Federal Reserve does is it prints the money, papers over these deficits that these politicians create. And if, if you take away that, they have to balance budgets, right? They have to they have to square their revenues with their expenses. So, I, I think the Federal Reserve creates this moral hazard where, you know, these politicians know that they can run these deficits. Well, I don't think it, I don't think it would causes them over by the Fed. I don't think the Fed causes them. I'm going to be somewhat technical here and tell it me gives them, wrong. It gives them a license to borrow. Well, no, I, actually, no. It's, it's, it's cash. I'm going to say, you know, I very rarely push back. It's exactly the opposite of that. It's it, If they were going to run a deficit, okay, say they're just going to run it, and they're going to tell everybody they're going to run it, if they go out and borrow the money, in some ways, that's okay, because it, every time they go out and borrow, if the Fed doesn't help them, they got to pay more and more interest, right? So they can, they, can, they can mess with the population for a while doing that, but if, if, if they just either raise taxes to spend it or borrow to spend it, there's a political price to pay of some kind. If the Fed bails them out and says, we'll just print them, print it for a while, there's no political price to pay, especially in that term. There is maybe for the next guy coming in. So I guess the real, the person that almost should be elected, if, if, he, if there is such a thing, the person should be elected number one is the chairman of the Fed. Because if you appoint the guy, there's really no way on earth. And I can't imagine Powell. As a matter of fact, Powell was starting to cut back on the money growth, right? In 2018, the market went down to the, the alleged tantrum, right? So they called him to the White House. He came out with all of them. Now, what did they do? Paddle him or waterboard him when he was there? He came out and he changed his policy totally. Well, I mean, it would take a real strong guy. I mean, real tough for Hal Snyder, you know, who I think is pretty independent. I think I'm pretty independent. But I tell you what, I, I don't know that I got the stones big enough that if these idiots pass a trillion and a half dollar bill for me to stand up the next day and say, "Knock yourself out," I'm not helping you with a penny at the Fed. <laughs> you know, especially. I have no problem with that, Tom. What? Well, well, I mean, I mean, I would. I would in, just in say, you know, the, this thing's here to stay. It's an institution's here to stay. Um, I, I said an AI 
to uh, monitor M2 growth, and we don't need anybody. We're going to fire all these people that uh, are doing all these studies. They can go to back to the university or whatnot, and we're just going to have this AI uh, monitor M2 growth, and uh, we're going to go on extended vacations. Well, I mean, that, that, that would be... That would be what I. It, it, you know, I agree with you. I'm saying the execution of it is all of a sudden you get this, you know, huge stack of crap from the uh, office of the budget that says this tax cut in ten years is going to come back to us in spades. That over ten years we're not going to now, but we don't really want to borrow it. How about you guys poning the money up for ten years? I'm saying it would, the job the guy makes what 175, 250 a year. The job's not worth that. I mean, you're essentially have to stand up and say, okay, all you people in Congress, you 535 people, and the president, all these people, you've been working on this crap for two years. You know what? I don't like it. I'm not helping you. Throw it out. I mean, it, I don't know that, that we would we ever want somebody that powerful in that spot. And if you were that guy, you'd never get the appointment. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 yeah, I have no chance getting that appointment. None. Zero. But that's right. not what they want. They want... How much are you going to help us? This is what we need. By the way, it's COVID. My God, you want everybody to die? You got to pony up all this money for us because we're not, we can't tax people and they're not working. I mean, you can only imagine how that conversation went. And what are you going to say? Well, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. With, with, with me, with me, there's nothing that a politician or the president could say to sway me from veering off what I think is right. I, there's just nothing they could say. I, I don't care what Biden thinks. I don't care what Trump thinks. If I was in that position, I just wouldn't care what they think, and I, I would do what I think needs to be done. Well, then, but then you'd have to be here to stay. If the Fed is here to stay, would be just, you know, coding up an algorithm that would just monitor M two and just keep it at a nice rate. But but don't. And I wouldn't worry about unemployment, and I wouldn't worry about CPI price level. Okay, but then, 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 if that's the case, you're going to end up being. Why am I going to loom here? You're going to be as big of a liar as the Supreme Court justices are, in my opinion. Not, not saying anything about their personalities or whatever, but the interview process for you to get to the Fed chairman spot, okay, or a Supreme Court judge, the president's going to call you in the room and he's going to say, "If this happens, if I need you for this, what are you going to do?" Now, when you get on this board, I would tell him, and I would, I would tell him exactly. Okay. Said, I would say, uh, that's not my job. I don't see it as my job. And if you want me to be the Fed chairman, I'm going to do it this way. If you I, don't like it, don't hire me. I, I, I get that. Honestly, what I'd say. I get that, but then, then you wouldn't be hired. But there's a school yeah, of Yeah, exactly. I would never be hired. Okay. I'd never be hired. I'm me. saying, but there is a school of thought, even if you were, <laughs> God bless, if you were an honest politician. Okay, you're going to end up, you, you may be think you're purer than Pharaoh's wife uh, and I think probably you are and maybe I am too but then again we're not in that spot you're going to end up on some committee somewhere giving some bump you know two million dollars for a, for a project in his home state that has nothing to do with the hurricane in Florida in order to get a bill passed I don't know how I'm not so sure that you can come out of this thing lily white I don't think you can I mean, you certainly wouldn't get the job no, I, 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 there's no way I'd get elected. Yeah, well, I'm, that's so, what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I just wouldn't be elected. Well, so, so back my, to my original. Back to my original. I work with. They're, they're like, how you know what you're saying? I go, yeah. <laughs> well, I would say, you know what? I have no power. I have no influence. It's never going to happen. So why worry about it? Well, okay. So then you're 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 
your thing is going to be this interview has ended. And, but but then again, yeah, what my what, interview has ended, yeah. But then again, what if you think, you know, if I was the Fed chairman, and I actually maybe wouldn't, I would maybe believe this. I think Tom, it, if you're willing to lie in the interview, you're willing to lie as the chairman. I, right? I don't disagree. If you're willing that. to lie to get the job, if if all you want is that job, and you're willing to lie to the president, or you're willing to lie to members of the committee uh, that are going to confirm you, then you're willing to do whatever it. You're willing to do. You you have no backbone. You have no principles, and you're going to be a lying snake in the grass while you're in the Fed chair, right? So if you're willing to lie to get the job, then um, you're willing to lie whatever it takes. You're willing to do whatever it takes to. Uh, uh, it was people. Although, so. can I make it better? Let's say you, you're you're well along the co-opting process, but by the same token, if you really think that you are going to help the country by being in that spot vis-a-vis the next person, you're probably going to co-opt yourself a little bit. I'm saying it, it ends up happening. That, that's how that's how they get yeah. these people, right? Yeah. Well, I think that's that. I think that's how Powell got the job to begin with. Yeah. He told the president what probably want to hear and he got the job then he tells Trump what Trump wants to hear right and then he just kind of does his thing but I, I think when you when you do that that means you're willing to you know use the language in a way that makes it seem like you're doing something when you're not right well I don't agree. I just don't think it's I don't think there's a lot of integrity in that I, I think if 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 you if you're in position for a job and you say this is how I'm going to do it, and you're you're only saying that because that's what that person wants to hear. I think that's just as bad as. Yeah, I just don't. I don't. I don't find any value in that. No, and I, that's why I, I would never get the job. But these guys, well, all you have to do is watch. And I'm okay with that. And all you have to do is watch talk TV all day. All these CEOs that come in there, everything in the world is perfect. Right, yeah. everything's perfect. There, nobody else could possibly be better in the job than them. Jamie Dimon. I mean, how much of what he said yesterday is BS and he's talking his book versus the real truth? I don't know. I'm sure it's not 100%. So, so now we're talking about which shades of gray, you know. Are we, are we, if, you, if you steal 50 bucks a week, are you okay or you're, or you're just a thief? I mean, you and I are, are fortunate. I mean, in trading floor, I was very fortunate. The world was black and white. You either were good for your trades or you weren't. There was no gray area of once in a while... The guy's on the other side. He owns up to it once in a while. He doesn't. That you either always owned up to it, or or, that, or, or you were out. So you and I are in, in sort of in black and white worlds. I'm just saying, I think Washington would be considered the gray city. And I don't know that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you, I think you could tell a lot of about a person on the golf course, right? I, I, you remember the uh, show Caddyshack? Yeah. The 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 head of the. Uh, the president of the uh, the country club, played by uh, the guy with the white hair. I forget. Oh yeah, yeah. Something. Yeah. Judge. The judge. The, ball. the judge. He's just kicking the ball. Yeah. Right. You can tell a lot of people tell a lot about how people play golf and what what they're like in real life. And I just see guys like Powell kicking the ball down the, the fairway when the, when they think nobody's watching. Well, I would know. I think it's really hard to do nowadays, but. Uh, you know what? I'm going to hit it where it lies, and I'm going to keep track of every. I'll tell you what. You want to? You don't be playing. You don't, can you imagine Trump on the golf course? Yeah. <laughs> Some snake yeah. must have moved yeah, my I, ball. I, I can see these guys just kicking that ball down the fairway and hoping nobody sees. Right? <laughs> I think that's the best metaphor of these guys. Well, I'm going to hit it where it lies, 
I'm going to take my penalty. I'm going to drop it and take my penalty. Right? That's what I love about the professional golf golfers, man. I could tell you some uh, names I mean, names in Chicago that you'd recognize from when my buddy's uh, son was a caddy at one of these places, and how well you rearranged the ball <laughs> if you were a four caddy was was uh, determined your tip when all that money was on the line. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's, a, it's an odd world, hell. <laughs> what are, it, it's it's spaceship Earth. What can I tell you? SP Futures down ten now. Nasdaq Futures down forty. We, we've we've tried to uh, rally here, but we didn't make it. We made it past zero for a nanosecond, and we're back down, but not as much. Hell, thank you. Uh, be back tomorrow. Stacks okay. and Jacks. What are you looking at, butthead? Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.